Let us pray. O Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that of your great goodness and mercy you allowed your only begotten Son to become incarnate and to redeem us from sin and everlasting death. And we beseech you, enlighten our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may evermore give you heartfelt thanks for your grace and may comfort ourselves with the same in all time of tribulation and temptation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On this high and holy festival of Christmas, God invites us to step forward and see his miracle of salvation, which came about through the incarnation of his Son. God himself became man. As Luther's Creed hymn sings, Jesus possesses an equal Godhead, throne and might, source of every grace and blessing. And yet was made true man, our elder brother, that the lost might life inherit. Now God calls to us and exhorts us that if we want to worthily observe these divine miracles for our benefit, we should remove the sandals from our feet. That is, take off our unclean thoughts and approach with humility, with reverence, with awe, and with joy. We sing the festival verse, hymn number 142. On Christmas Eve, we heard the circumstances of Jesus' birth, about the census ordered by Caesar Augustus while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the town of Nazareth into Judea to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. And that while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We also heard then how the angel appeared to poor shepherds, proclaiming good news of great joy and giving the signs that they should look for. And then the whole host of heaven appeared to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. 
Now we hear the response of the shepherds to that message. How they say, now let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Like the shepherds, how blessed we are to see the truth of our salvation. Indeed, you are urged to go and see for yourself. Don't you wish things would remain the best they ever were? Think of the best Christmas you ever had. The traditions, the flavors, the sights, the smells. Don't you wish that every Christmas would do its best to reflect that Christmas? Aren't you just a little bit disappointed each time Christmas doesn't meet your expectations? Each time it lacks something that you've come to think that it should have. What should Christmas be? You can think of your own context, your own time, your own traditions, but go back in time. And if you go back and back and back, Christmas ultimately is seen here in the shepherds. They were the first ones to truly celebrate this Christmas. And what was Christmas for them? It amounted to this. Now let's go to Bethlehem and see. If you go to Bethlehem now, you'll see a humble little town with an overabundance of stray cats. So no, we won't go there to find Christmas. But we will go to what Bethlehem brought us. We go to see the Savior, the Christ. And where is he found? Daniel calls him the Ancient of Days. And he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who is coming, the Almighty. The author of the letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Go and find that baby born in Bethlehem and you will find the Christmas that never changes. This is a truth greater than humdrum life, but one that gives joy and meaning to that life. Where do you find this meaning? Go and see this thing that has happened. The shepherds went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. We find this baby who grew in wisdom and stature, who lived 33 years on this earth, 33 years spent without a single sin, and who died a criminal's death he didn't deserve through the torture of a cross, and who rose miraculously from the dead under his own power. Where he says he is to be found, he is lying in the cup and in the patten, where the bread and wine are also his body and blood. He's lying in the font of baptism, where his tomb is made ours, empty and full of life. And he is lying In the pages of scripture, every word of it is God-breathed. Every word delivers Christ. Every word is worth examining closely to see just what God means by it. When we stand before the altar of God, we see that the altar serves as the manger where our Lord lies. It serves as the seat where his body is laid after his death. It serves as the place of sacrifice where we see his blood is shed to purchase our salvation. It serves as the throne of his mercy where he sits in judgment declaring you innocent in his own name. 
Go and see for yourself. Search the scriptures. They testify about Christ. That's how I prepare my sermons. I don't look for what I really want to say to someone each week. I don't look for some subject that's open to my own interpretation. I don't try to make the Bible about myself. Instead, I read it. Listen to what it says. Examine it closely so that I see Christ. Because that's who it's about. The Bible is about Christ. And Christ crucified for you. Go and seek him where he is to be found. You will receive him. And then when you return home, bring the praise of God with you. The shepherds began their praise immediately. They told others the message they had been told about this child. And we do this in our worship services too. The whole purpose of hymn singing is to tell others, those around you, about the joy of the gospel. Each hymn you sing in these walls bears the gospel in its rich fullness, telling about that child, who he is, what he has done. And we might go through the whole gamut of doctrines, the Trinity, creation, sin, law, and gospel, objective justification, absolution, election, the divine call, church fellowship, sanctification, the end times. These aren't all superfluous things that have no bearing on life right now. These are things God has taught us. They are the truth of the one who never changes. And each and every one of them centers on that baby who was laid in a manger in Bethlehem. When you think about your ideal Christmas, do you think about family? Do you think about the meals you have together? Or the time you spend around a Christmas tree, the gifts that you open, or that you get to watch your loved ones open? Think of the joy of sharing the greatest gift. The Son of God became man to save all men. He is ever and always for you and for all whom you love. And he's not just given once and then done. He is given every week in the absolution, in the gospel, and the supper. Look how Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Why did she do that now? Did she need to hear the gospel that the shepherds share? Hadn't she already heard it from the angel who told her, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Hadn't she held her savior in her womb and only recently in her arms? And now wasn't he lying near her in his swaddling clothes in the manger? Yes, but she is human like the rest of us. And all of us receive faith the same way. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. These shepherds gave Mary strength for her faith through their message. And this follows the urging of the Apostle Paul, encourage one another with these words. And the words he means are the gospel words of comfort and confidence in salvation that is given by Christ. He wrote those words to people who were already Christians. But Christians will face obstacles in life. The cares and worries of life will distract you, make you doubt whether you can be saved. 
The lies of Satan will always be uttered in your ears to contradict God's word. Your sinful flesh will always push God away for other things. The shepherds are your example again. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, don't let anyone make you think you're not a good Christian if every word out of your mouth isn't about Jesus. It's not essential Christian behavior to go around delivering a sermon or a testimony to every person you meet. Instead, this will show by your life. So long as you yourself keep coming back to the Savior where he is found, in the manger of the word and sacraments. And this creates in you a foundation of faith. You have life by this faith. And therefore, if this is your life, it shows. Jesus said later in his life, let your light shine in people's presence so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When you return home from the divine service, bring the praise of God with you. You've seen the truth of your salvation, so permit it to infuse your life and your demeanor. This Christmas season, beginning today, lasts 12 days, but the effect of Christmas is eternal. It gives meaning and joy and light to your whole life. So Merry Christmas, now and always. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.